the top players and legends to the very best analysts around the world from wherever the beautiful game is played. This is BTP. Now, we're talking football. Yes, hello folks, welcome to the weekly match. Thank you as always, Phil Brown, joining my regular co-host here tonight, Callum McFadden. Shortly after, well immediately after, the Fulham game, we needed a sneak 2-1 victory. They never do anything easy. Squeaky bomb, I have to say, but um, um, absolutely delighted. Um, 2-1 win, Callum, lots to talk about. What's your take on what you just saw? I, I, I honestly am delighted with what I've, I've just witnessed in the sense that that's the sort of game that last season or the year before, United go on to draw or even lose. You think about conceding the early goal in the fashion that they did. Heads could easily have went down, but I felt that they, they stuck in. They battled. Cavani, what a predator he is in mm-hmm. the box. And and it has to be said, Phil, and I know we'll come on to this, Paul Pogba, since his agent mm-hmm. came out and made certain comments, has mm-hmm. been nothing so short of sublime. He took his goal well. He was proud of the fact it was on his left foot, as he said after yeah. the game. But for me... That that's a, a positive performance. If you're going to compete for league titles, you can't win threes and fours every week. You look at when Leicester won the title, even look at Liverpool um, when they won the title. You always have a a one nil or a two one in there, especially away from home. So as far as I'm concerned, delighted and uh, just a shame we're in a in a false position, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ten wins, three draws after Arsenal, longest unbeaten streak of any team in Europe's top five leagues. Uh, unbeaten away from home in a year, but we're in a false position. Position. You know, <laughs> I, 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 the last time I heard that, I was on top of the missus. Um, but um, <laughs> let me talk to you about Pogba for a second because um, he, when this thing happened with Mina Riola, I put a tweet out saying I'd be happy for him to play for a club again. And there's a reason for that because it was sick and tired of this circus off the pitch. And I couldn't remember the last time he'd had a really, really good game. So I was asking myself at that time, what would we miss if Paul Pogba left? I can't think of anything. That Paul Pogba that we've seen in the last month, that's a world-class player. That is, world-class players make differences in games, take games, we need a piece of magic, we need something. They're not the guy that scores the third goal in a 3-0 win. They're the guy that puts you ahead when you need something. We need someone to take control of a game. We need someone to say, I'm going to show my class here. I'm going to be the difference. That's why you pay £89 million for a player. Pop up, I hadn't did that, done that enough. And now United against Burnley. He wins. He, he, crucial goal against Burnley. Crucial goal tonight. Should have scored at the weekend, right? But once again, Paul Pogba is taking the, the, the load off Bruno Fernandes, who's had a little bit of a dip. He was good. Bruno, Bruno played better tonight. He was unlucky. But a little bit of a dip. And now you've got other players stepping up that are taking the responsibility to say, I'll be a match winner too. Got Cavani up front, that is a pure predator, should be the first, in my opinion, first number nine on a team sheet every single week. And when he goes, whether it's this year or next year, United can't mess around. That has to be a world-class striker, right? Because you see the difference, what you get with a world-class striker in that position. right? That first goal United scored tonight, people are going to say it's bread and butter. But the instinct of Cavani to know where to be, right down the goalkeeper's throat, doesn't turn his back, doesn't give it up until that ball is completely dead. If the keeper drops this, I'm on top of it. And his work rate, his movement, his attitude, everything has been perfect. He's been a magnificent signing for United. He's been fantastic. And, and you talked about his movement there. 
what I love about him is he's tenacious when he has to be, but just like a throwback to someone like Teddy Sheringham, at times he'll stand still and let the play move around him, which is which for me showcases he's a top-level striker because that's what they do. And, and you talked there about being in the right place at the right time. I mean, it's, it's no coincidence he's in there to get that goal. Yes, people will say bread and butter, but if you're not in that position, you don't score that goal and you don't capitalise on the error. So he's been he's been fantastic for United. Um, I, I, I saw um, on social media, Phil, that you had said if only United could have had him five years or so earlier, and that was spot on because if he's this good at 33, just what could he have been? But... That being said, having him in and around the club can only help Greenwood, it can only help Rashford. I was going to say it can only help Martial, but mm-hmm. at the moment he looks as if he's in need of, of of maybe a wee rest or time out of the team because I'm concerned about his form. I don't think he's particularly great when he's put in a wide area, but then again, I don't think he's the out-and-out number nine that Cavani is and he showed tonight. Uh, here's the thing with Martial. When you look at someone like Son at Spurs, who I, if I'm Martial, that's who I'm comparing myself with. Right, look at the consistency you get from a player like that. You know, Martial needs to be getting double figures for United every season. He looks like a player to me that finds it easy to convince himself that today's not important, that the next game is, and so sort of switches off. And you and you see this when teams are printed from the back. He's always ten, fifteen yards off his guy, and that's always the outlet ball. And you know, they don't press properly as a team. They, 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 the ball comes out wide and you're looking, Martial's jogging, he's miles off his guy. Cavani's sprinting across the line. Fernandez sprinting across the line. And you, you just want to grab him and say, son, if I, and it's, some people have this. He has immense talent. But he's just the type of guy that if he doesn't feel it, and you can almost tell him the first 10 minutes whether Andy Martial's going to have a good game or not. Right? But if he just doesn't feel it, he doesn't feel involved, he doesn't feel loved, he doesn't feel all the right things. You get a, a, a haphazard performance, we're saying his hold-up playing all. Yeah, okay, but Martial's in the team to score goals. That's his primary responsibility, and when he doesn't, and Mason Greenwood will get to, you know, Marcus Rashford, he, he, there's two things missing in this game. Decision-making, and he's a bit more clinical, right? That's it, right? I'm not concerned about Rashford. I'm not concerned about Greenwood. Greenwood's a young player, right? Um, but Martial's at a point in his career where really we shouldn't be carrying him anymore. But what we've seen with Pogba is things can change quickly. So if he starts yeah. scoring goals and goes on a run, then you could see Martial easily finish with 17, 18 goals by the end of the season. You take a look at what Bruno Fernandes did from January on from when he joined United. You even take a look at what Mason Greenwood did when he came into the team last January. He scored 17, 18 goals towards the end of last season. So you can still get that from Martial, but he needs to start doing it now. He does, and I think the the analogy I would make from this season is you just wish that Cavani could have the impact on Martial that, that um, Tellez has had in Shaw because since real competitions came in against Luke Shaw, he's stepped up his game and mm-hmm. he's been a very consistent performer. I thought he was excellent at Anfield um, in a tough game. Crowd there or crowd not, I thought he was excellent. Um, I thought he was good again tonight. And I think you just need that spark from Martial, the big question mark regarding him has always been is he consistent enough to to play week in week out for a team like United and score goals week in week out over the course of his career he's he's had purple patches that have been sensational and other periods where he's been very quiet but you're right things can change and things can click into gear very quickly as Fernandez shows and fingers crossed he's next we talked about Luke Shaw there and the emergence of Luke Shaw which again I got it wrong 
I said to myself last season, I've seen the best and the worst of Luke Shaw, and the best of Luke Shaw, for me, is not good enough for Manchester United. The Luke Shaw that we've seen the last couple of months is a player I never thought we'd see. And yes, I completely agree that having Alex Tallis there has you know, pushed him on. But I think, Callum, when you look throughout the United team where there is competition, it's not just Luke Shaw. David De Gea is not making the mistakes he's making last season. He's got a, a goalkeeper in behind him that he knows. It's not beyond the realms of possibility this guy's going to take my place. right? So um, I, I think that's improved him. I think having Bailly back being a top-class centre-half has improved both Lindelof and Maguire because both of them were excellent against Liverpool. And to be fair, they've been quite good this season. right? So uh, I know how Maguire takes a lot of stick, but I, I, I think that you have to know what how Maguire's good at and what he's not good at. right? You know, so he, everyone makes mistakes, he makes mistakes, everyone does. But overall... You know, I think having a quality centre-back gets the best out of Lindelof, who I think has been quite good this season. But then, you, you know, even we talk about Pogba. Now Pogba's got Bruno Fernandes. He, and I was listening to Danny Higginbotham talking about this, about Pogba's responsibility in the United team. Maybe Pogba just isn't the personality to be the main guy. Maybe he's someone that is comfortable in a midfield three where he's surrounded by world-class players, where he doesn't have to be the main guy every single week, Right. Uh, but we've seen, we, we asked at the start of the season, could Pogba and Fernandez play in the same team? It didn't look like they could. Yet it were very open, getting caught. You'd have to say in the last few weeks, they've shown they can. Um, and uh, you know, so I think you go right throughout United team and you can see where competition, squad depth has improved the players in the team. No longer, it's just human nature. You know, if you have something and someone's competing for you, you raise your game, you raise your levels, you don't get complacent. You know, you see people in life who get comfortable, you know, they make a certain amount of money and then they relax because well, life is good. You know, the, the, there's no suffering, there's no stress, everything, and, and they're in that comfort zone. But then when you get taken out of that comfort zone and things are under threat, then you see uh, people raise their game. So it, it, the competition has improved all over the place. If I was United, I would really look at getting a right back. The thing is, do they want to get a right back that might say that the right back that they want isn't available till the summer. You don't, United are, you don't want to sign someone now unless it's the guy you want. And Kieran Trippier was the guy they wanted, but obviously that ban uh, heavily affected United's approach. Indeed, and I think um, Trippier would be a, a good player to come in and, and provide competition for Juan Bissaka because. He's experienced, he's his end product and the attacking sense is very impressive and let's be honest with you, that's what Juan Bissaka really has to improve on um, for me and I'm sure you agree with that. So I think Trippier would be the sort of player that he could learn a lot from um, and he's a, the sort of player, Trippier, that can still play in big games crucially now for United, which which you need to be able to, to, to trust whenever you sign anyone, even if they're going to be a squad option. I just want to give a wee bit of credit as well to, to Fred McTominay. I know Fred was the starter tonight. Um, Pogba and Fernandez are, are, are obviously are, are incredible attacking players. They get the plaudits, and rightly so, when they're scoring goals like Pogba did tonight. But it must it says a lot when, when you've got a player like Fred or McTominay, when they're in good form, it gives you the trust to know that you can go forward, to know that you can get on the ball in the final third because he's there covering you. So I think they deserve credit for United's run of form because... Let's be honest, Fred went through a tricky patch at times um, in his first season in particular when he was in and out of the team. McTominay's the sort of player that a lot of people like, but then again, there's, there's, there's a vocal element of people who, who question him. So 
credit to those guys as well for for being a crucial part of that midfield and being able to keep keep others out of the team. Yeah, and I just wonder when the media are going to concede some gratitude towards Solskjaer, and not, not just some humility towards him, because what he faced after the Arsenal game was quite frankly disgraceful, right? Um, and he's held to a higher standard. I understand that the, the expectation exists at Manchester United, I totally understand that. But there's even some of this amongst United's own support base. Quite frankly, I don't really understand this. This is really weird modern proclivity, and I don't understand it, where people are so fixated on who the manager is more than anything else, where they can't bring themselves to celebrate Manchester United winning because it's more important to them that who's in charge of Manchester United than Manchester United winning. Look, I don't care who's in charge of Manchester United. I've said this before. I don't care if it's Benny Hill in charge of Manchester United. I don't care if it's Oprah Winfrey. If United are winning every week and winning games, who cares? Why does it matter so much to you? Why are you so determined to see failure to prove that Solskjaer is not of the football fraternity, that he's not a Mauricio Pochettino, that he's... I mean, this snobbery that exists among... And, and some so-called experts, right? I mean, that, that by the way, know absolutely nothing about what it takes to be successful at a football club. None of them have ever worked at a football club. None of them have ever been a manager in their lives. None of them have ever been a manager at a football club like that. Yet they are telling Solskjaer that he's out of his depth. You're telling me that a guy who played for arguably the greatest coach, the greatest manager, should we say, in the history of football, and arguably one of the greatest teams in English football's history, did he come out of that whole experience clueless? A PE teacher? Who, by little wankers on the internet who's, who thinks that they're an, his, his, his superior or his equivalent because they're a good football manager? They just have no clue. It's infuriating. It's infuriating, especially when you consider the free ride that certain people get. I mean, Frank Lampard comes to mind for that and the Chelsea mm-hmm. fans in the summer. We, you talked about the modern phenomenon with the manager. There's also that phenomenon with the transfer window. People think it's like football manager. Right, it's going to come to January. We'll sign four here. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to the summer, we've got five here. Chelsea signed. <laughs> Chelsea basically signed so many players in the summer that on paper people thought, oh, Silva, Havertz, Werner, they're going to be excellent. And Lampard's going to be this great coach that might take them to the title with that team. You called it in the summer, Phil, when you sign that amount of players, mm-hmm. not all of them are going to work out regardless of how good they've been previously, and that's been shown. And I just question why on earth a manager like Lampard gets such a, an easy ride when you consider the position Chelsea are in. It has to be um, because because of sort of homegrown bias. If you ask me honestly, I could be totally off with that. But Solskjaer, as you say, after the Arsenal game was ridiculed with the PE teacher jibes, there's been mm-hmm. constant um, negativity, or oh, they need to get Pochettino, or they should look at Allegri, they should consider this one and that one. I don't see any of that overly going on at Chelsea. I know Jan Ingefjortov's mentioned it a few times with Tuchel, but over here in the UK, there seems to be a lot of silence regarding uh, Lampard, and it just frustrates me that expectations and how human beings are treated isn't the same when you consider what Solskjaer's done. He finished up last season, and, and we both agreed considering where United were before Burnley, before Fernandes, that, that was some achievement. And I think deep down after the summer United had, well, initially how everyone reacted, we all probably thought, I don't think he's going to get a chance to replicate that and this could be quite tricky. Champions League aside, what a season he's had so far. Obviously, I know the League Cup, some people will point at another semi-final, but to be first in the league after 19 games, halfway through a season... 
that's no mean feat for any manager and full credit to him. Look, the, the thing is, you don't get that type of league unless you win games of football. And I'm sick and tired of this double speak about it's the most competitive league in the world. Ah, but you just beat. Make up your mind, right? Because if it's the most competitive league in the world, then I don't want to hear about it's just Brighton or it's just this or it's just this or it's just this. Right? Because it's, it's either one or the other. So don't brag about how strong your league is if you're then going to denigrate teams for beating other teams. First of all, it is a competitive league. It's a very, very difficult league right? to get three points. Anybody can drop points at any time. Right? You've seen Liverpool at home to West Brom. Right? You know, that Fulham team beat Leicester, who were sitting top of the league you know, before City's game. Right? City have got a massive favour tonight right? in, a, in a rule that exists that shouldn't exist. It quite clearly is offside and quite clearly uh, Rodri took, got an advantage. You know, uh, Tony Mings doesn't know that Rodri's behind him either. So, um, you don't have okay, something's going your way. That's fine. So, we're talking about supposedly the most competitive league in the world and I can assure you, if Liverpool were in the United's position and haven't done it exactly the same way, nobody would say they're in a false position. Because there's this perception out there by those who write about football that it's not acceptable to go from where United were to where they are. That there must be a longer process. That there must be, you can't jump steps. You can't go from being called a PE teacher out of your depth in November to then talking about being a title challenger in January. And that, you know, this United team, I don't think they'll win the league. My My own view, right? I would love to see it, and I think that when I look at that league, the only team that would concern me is City. I don't think they're going to worry about with Liverpool. I don't think they're going to worry about with Leicester. Right? I don't think there's anything else out there other than City to where United should be really concerned. So we always hear this other cliche, the league table never lies. certainly doesn't lie in January. You don't get top of the league by accident. And people are embarrassing themselves by being committed to this false position bullshit. Excuse my, my, my language. You know, because it certainly wasn't a false position when United were sitting in seventh. Nobody in the media were saying that. Nobody in the media were saying it wasn't a false position when Solskjaer couldn't win a game. So, let's just be honest. A lot of people were enjoying United's demise. Were enjoying the fact that United weren't in title races. But now... United are back in a title race from nowhere. Solskjaer deserves enormous credit. Look, I said at the start of the season, he has to progress this season. This is a big season for him. You can't, you can't have any more excuses, in my opinion. Right? I said if United finished within the top four, maybe third, within 10 points of the winners, they're thereabouts, which I'm certain they will do now, then you would have to call that progress. And he, need, he does need to win a trophy. I have no doubt about that. Right? But... If you change Solskjaer's name to Maurizio Pochettino or someone else, the coverage and analysis and the commentary on what's going on at Manchester United now would be completely different. It would be, and, and you mentioned Pochettino. I mean, uh, I know I know he got to the Champions League final, which was an incredible achievement. But domestically, what what has Pochettino achieved that Solskjaer hasn't? When you think on it that way, I mean, so he finished up last season. He's got United in a title race. I mean. Uh, so that obsession obviously has been taken away now the fact he's in Paris and, and I'm actually glad if I'm honest with you because you, 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 we, we talked about this earlier there's an obsession with what comes next and who comes next and who can we add and who can we do this with but sometimes you've just got to take stock of what you've got and say there's been progress made 
things are heading in the right direction. And the way I see it, if you ask me brutally honestly, Jurgen Klopp complaining about penalties, former Liverpool players talking about false positions, to me shows that show, shows me that United are a team that they consider to be a threat. Because you wouldn't make comments about that about any old team in the league. Do you think they would care if Sheffield United were getting a few extra penalties or they were in a so-called false position? They wouldn't care a jot. So to me, that shows you that United are a side that teams don't like competing against because although, although a lot of people might look and say, ah, seven years, eight years since you last won a title, that history's still there, that badge is still there and, and, the, and with the players you've got in the park in attacking positions, that fear factor is there for, for sides as well because if you take United lightly in the attacking front, they can punish you as they've shown. Well, when we look at Solskjaer and we evaluate him, we'll go, we'll just go, go back to what we had before. Moise, um, Mourinho van Gaal, right? Uh, and when we looked at what those managers did at United, um, Moyes you know, was a failure, we know it wasn't all his fault. Van Gaal was given money, and it was, quite frankly, anyone who pants for Van Gaal forgets what we were watching. It was the worst football I've ever seen at United. It was dreadful. It was like somebody blew the whistle, stuck a ball up her shirt, and we sat and watched 11 men sitting there. Nothing happened. I think there was about seven games where they didn't score a goal. I mean, it was just garbage. I know that he wanted to play a certain way. I've spoken to Franz Hook about what their vision was, right? But you can't play that way at United. You can't. You, and so that was a mess. Never worked. Mourinho. Mourinho manages a football club in one way. I want to make sure that when I leave this football club, this football, I've won trophies, not the football club, right? So he will, he's the type of guy you reach to, you sacrifice your principles because he brings you success. He didn't bring success. He was given money. He didn't get all the players he wanted. You don't get that anywhere, right? He was given enough. He didn't succeed. It failed. I wanted him to be successful. There's nothing about me that pains for Mourinho. People watch Jose Mourinho on, you know, um, Soccer Sunday, whatever it is, Football Sunday, and they hear him talk about tactics and everything. They get seduced by that, right? Or they see him in that Amazon, you know, uh, documentary and they get seduced by that. Look, being a coach and being a manager are two very, very, very different things, all right? Anybody who's ever managed people will know that managing people is incredibly complex. Getting people motivated, getting people committed is very, very difficult, right? And so, tactically, you can be the best. Ferguson was a terrible uh, uh, coach, was a great manager of people, right? So he put good coaches in place. So don't be seduced because some guy can go on and talk about a low block. Anyone could do that, right? So for me, when I when I look at uh, what Solskjaer has done, I'm evaluating, I'm evaluating what he's done with the academy. Right now we've got investment back in the academy and editor once again looking around the world for the best young players, which is exactly what they should have been doing years ago. So that's improved. Signings have undoubtedly improved. Prior to Solskjaer coming in, most signings didn't work. They were crap. They were abject failures. They were sold a year or two later for a discount. Right? You know, you look at the players that he signed. The vast majority have been successful. Uh, the way you need to play. I want to see United play on the front foot. I want to see them attack teams. I want to see them... But you can't... You, people criticize for what they did at Anfield. I have no issue with what, how they played at Anfield. None whatsoever. You play, that's an occasion game. That's a game we have to play the occasion. Because it often is said in derbies. And let's be honest, it's a derby. The form goes out the window. Right? 
You, there's so many more ingredients to that game than what you would get against a normal team. People who you're saying, well, Liverpool had this player injured, that player injured, doesn't matter. It's still Liverpool. So you still have to play the occasion and things change. Players raise their game. They've still got quality players. It's still a very, very... Now Liverpool haven't lost at home since 2017 against Crystal Palace. It's not a game they should have walked, walked over there and, and, and won it easily. It's people have no idea about how difficult these things are. So for me, I think that there's so many things to be positive about with Solskjaer, about the style of play, the signings, the academy, and, and you know the, the, the way Manchester United look right now. The, this is the, I've wanted to see this United, this type of Manchester United for six, seven years since Ferguson left. Indeed, and it's, and it's absolutely refreshing. It is, and you mentioned the academy, and that should be always, always at the heart of Manchester United. It has been um, in the club's history. You consider the fact that there's been an academy player in, in a matchday squad um, for, for for many, many decades. The club are proud of that heritage, and so they should be. And you've got a manager that embodies that as well. He embodies um, the fact that he was given a chance as a player to come to United and succeed, and he's now the same with a manager. So that should inspire them as well. I'm interested, Phil, in your opinion in regards to winning a trophy this season. You've mentioned how crucial that is. The FA Cup, obviously, is is, is coming upon us. How crucial mm-hmm. is that competition for Solskjaer? It's not crucial in the sense that if he won it, it wouldn't keep him in a job. It didn't keep Van Gaal in a job. It's not evidence of success. To me, it's more important. Look, I want to see another winning trophy. And I think they need to believe in themselves that they are a trophy-winning team. And there's no question losing four or five semi-finals. That's a concern. And the one thing that I would worry about with this United team is how would they handle pressure and must-win games? Because what we've seen in these big games where they must win, where we've seen against PSG, we've seen against Leipzig, we've seen against City in the League Cup. Um, we've seen this too many times where the big game United just falls short. This is where I remain unconvinced. This is why I think... Concerned whether United will win the league or not, but look, if they win the FA Cup and finish second, I think that's a good season. I think it's a really good season, especially if they're within ten points of the winners. I think there's enough there for me to say Solskjaer deserves to be backed heavily this summer, and Solskjaer deserves um, to 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 continue in the job. And so for me, I think um, there's still things, Callum. I'm I'm not a hundred percent convinced about the United that. You have to be still realistic that we're not perfect, you know. Um, but all in all, I think that I didn't expect it to be in this position so far. So so far, I would say it's been a successful season. Champions League disappointment. Look, they could win the Europa League, right? That's a possibility too, right? If they won the Europa League, any trophy at all finish second, I think that would be a success. I agree with that absolutely. I think that that's progress. It's it's definitely progress from last season. That's the proof would be there. Um, just some quotes coming in at the moment on Cavani from Solskjaer after the game, which really encouraged me and I hope the, the hierarchy are listening. He's the centre forward you want in the box. His movement is incredible. You want everyone to learn from him. He's the type of centre forward we have been looking for. So as you referenced earlier on, it's great to have him now. It's great that mm-hmm. you could have him for next season, but they need to keep this type of profile in their minds because you cannot have a Cavani for this season and next season and then flip-flop back to having guys that aren't out-and-out out number nines. I think we all agree that this level of centre-forward is what United must have if they are to challenge for league titles consistently like they should be. This is where Mason Greenwood really must seize the moment and look at this and say, look, 
Cavani at best has got a year and a half left here, right? And if he stays another year, you know, you can't play him every week. I want to be the successor. I'm going to learn from him. And not just learn on the pitch, learn off the pitch. Learn how you live as a professional. Cavani has been impeccable, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch. You know, you never hear a peep about him. There's no trouble, there's no drama, there's no nonsense. Right? He's a, he's a doting father, a perfect ambassador for your football club, one of the world's best strikers over the last 10 years. Right? And at 33, you know, 33 is not what it was 20 years ago. You know, a, a 33-year-old today, in, in Cavani's condition, maybe that's a 30-year-old. You need to look and we look at what Ibrahimovic is doing in Syria. So there's no need to be fixated on his age. You know, look at what Ronaldo's doing. Be fixated on his performances. It's, and, and so I think that Cavani is such an important player for United, not just in terms of his his contribution, in terms of goals, but in terms of his presence, his his whole... He's a winner. He's someone that... You saw him get angry at Marcus Rashford at, at Anfield. He wanted that ball. He wanted that. He would have put my house on him to score, Right? That's he's a winner. Calm. That's what United need. United need that in that team. They need winners. That's a Bruno Fernandez. Even when he's playing poorly, he's a winner. He's desperate to win. That's what you need. And so for me, I think United were criticised for sending him. Oh, you know, typical United panic buy. Blah blah blah. By the way, for the journalist that wrote that, I screenshotted it. So don't go back and delete it, okay? Because uh, what I said myself in the summer was. Yes, United want to target younger players with potential, but that doesn't mean they can't sign a Cavani. See, I don't like these stupid rules, these stupid red lines. Oh, I can't sign world-class players anymore because they don't work. Absolute bollocks. How many world-class players have United signed? Two or three, maybe? Just because they didn't work doesn't mean nobody else will. I mean, can you imagine having a rule saying we're not going to sign Portuguese players because baby was shite? I mean, we wouldn't have Bruno Fernandes. It's just nonsense. It's a nonsense extrapolation of nonsense logic. It's stupid. It makes no sense. These stupid red lines. Look, if you scout properly, if you do your homework properly, and if you do those things, world-class players will work at your football club more often than not. Real Madrid didn't abandon signing world-class players because one or against Gaka didn't work. Right? So, for me, I don't believe there's... Uh, I, 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 I like the fact that they're targeting younger players and there's certainly, certainly, certainly been a massive improvement in how United are selecting targets. Um, but maybe there's still something, not maybe, but there is still something to be learned in how United go about you know, securing those targets in, 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 in that aspect, no question. If we had to talk about a signing, Callum, that hasn't worked so far, you'd have to talk about Van der Beek. Because... When I look at Van der Beek, I think to myself, I think a couple of things. I think, first of all, United brought him in because of Pogba. Right? So it doesn't have to be identical to Pogba to be a replacement for Pogba. You can change how you play. Um, Sam Locker said he wasn't first choice. <clears throat> I don't know if Jack Grealish was first choice or not. But given how little he's playing... To me, that there's two concerns. First of all, you can't say he's a replacement for Pogba when he doesn't play, right? So, are you need to come to the conclusion that he's not the right guy? And two, you can talk about him being Pogba's replacement all you want. The fact that he never plays is telling. The fact that Solskjaer, over that Christmas period where he had four or five games, didn't, you know, what did he play, 15 minutes or something? 
You know, he never plays. What role does he play? When you're behind in a game, do you trust him to bring him on? No. When you're winning a game and it's close, do you trust him to bring him on? No. So where does he get to play? And and I, I, I would have concerns. The only positive is if the rest of the season goes like this, where he plays a bit part, and he had paid £40 million for him, they'd still get £40 million for him at the end of the season. You can easily rate a bad year off at United and say to some other particular club, still a world-class player, just didn't work here for whatever reason, £40 million you can have and you can get your money back. All right? And maybe it, it makes sense to bring him in a year earlier to learn he's not a Pogba replacement so that when Pogba goes, you can actually go bring someone else in so that we don't find this out after Pogba leaves. That's a, that's a, that's a very, very good point. I think it's, it's definitely a situation that a lot of people were frustrated and angry with at first. And the people, including myself, were crying out for him to, to, to get opportunities. But you, you are right. Has, has he performed well enough even when he's been given those opportunities to, to say to you like like Fernandez did when he came in wow he needs to start every single week and mm-hmm. I don't quite think so and you're right it, it, it could be an extra long bedding in period but then again you would still expect to get more minutes than this the, what I would say is look at Fred in his first season that, he, was, yeah. he, was, he was in and out of the team a lot of people thought oh they've wasted a lot of money there that's really really worrying but if you're Van de Beek, you've got to look at that situation and you've got to be in training every day thinking, is there something I can add to my game? Is there a way that I can adapt how I play to make sure that I can succeed for this Manchester United team, not only now, but in the future? Because something needs to change for him. He's going to be angry about being on the bench. Of course he is. But at the same time, when you watch United tonight, you can't you can't say there's anyone at home, probably even even the boys' uh, family that are sitting there thinking, ah, he really needs to be in to improve this. So he's got a lot of work to do. It'll be interesting to see how the club handle that situation in the summer because you're right, United could get their money back from considering what they paid. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure that clubs in Spain in particular who were interested in him uh, would still be interested in him, especially at that sort of rate. So... He is a player who United will, I think, at least recoup their money back. But I think he'll be given another year, even if Pogba stays, if I'm honest. But again, I could be totally wrong. Well, look, I think that obviously with Paul Pogba's situation, look, I've talked to people, right? And the thing is, United are not going to let Paul Pogba go with the promise of players in part exchange. They're just not going to do it. And I don't think they should either. You know, United target should not be selected on opportunism. We've talked about this. It should be based on a long process of evaluation and elimination of going, this guy does suits good, this guy suits, this guy suits. If if by that long process you end up at a Juventus player like the ball or something and they want off, okay. But what United have got to learn and they, I think they have learned from in the past is, you know, an agent ringing up and saying, I've got my clan, he wants to play for you. Oh, okay, he'll do because he's good. You know, and I think United have learned from that. So, uh, Juventus are going to have to, even with the Jonas contract, you're still talking, in my, for my money, if this Paul Pogba continues, right, where we see this for the rest of the season, there'll be more than Juventus in for him. And I said it, it, a, a month ago, you need to have Paul Pogba right where they want him. Because either he plays exceptionally well between now and the end of the season, or he's going to struggle for a move. So maybe we're seeing a Paul Pogba play for a move. We need to get the benefit of him. If he plays like that to the rest of the season, then all things are possible. Even staying is possible. Because what if United won and won the league? Why would he want to leave? You know, it's a different Manchester United than the one he's talking about leaving. So I think 
there's lots of potentials with Paul Pogba. But if he does leave, it'll be in my money for, in my opinion, for, for straight cash from Juventus. And I think that there's also a couple of things. People asking if United will spend in January. I don't think they'll spend in January. Right? I think that there's still, look, the pandemic has still got a real impact. Um, no end in sight. You know, the strategy is to focus on players for the summer and only move in January if a player becomes available um, that they want in the summer. But I don't see it happening. So I don't think anything will happen in January. People talk about Medina uh, from Lens. Look, the, the, it's agent type. It's nonsense. Okay, So United are not in for Medina. They're not in for Christian Eriksen. Right, They're, it's laughable. Right, they did not go after Christian Eriksen. Have no interest in Christian Eriksen. Not even in consideration. Just like Medina, so um, I, I think it's we shouldn't expect anything. The one thing that we could, you know, obviously Traore's coming will be interesting to see how he does. And I think that is another thing where Traore over the next few months, maybe this kid bursts on the scene, and he is a phenomenal young talent. Where he needed to say over the summer. We have a solution. We don't need the Jaden Sancho. We have somebody on the right that we can now look at and say, this kid is going to be uh, such an obvious talent that it makes no sense to bring in Jaden Sancho. Even if he's not as good as Jaden Sancho this summer, doesn't need to be. He just needs to show that he has immense talent, that he is someone worth investing in for the long term on the right. Um, you know, because Bruce Dortmund is still going to want a lot of money for Jaden Sancho, and you have to be absolutely certain that he's the right guy. Um, I said also, Calum, I wasn't sure about Jack Grealish last summer. I am sure about Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish is a magnificent player, right? And, and, and I would love him at United. I think he'd be perfect for United, not just in terms of his quality, in terms of his leadership qualities, but Villa, no chance of getting him out of Villa. You need a fortune, so I don't see that happening. I agree. I don't think you, you would get Grealish out of Villa unless he was to specifically make it clear that he wants out. And given his standing at the club, I think that would be difficult for him to do. But I suppose mm-hmm. stranger things have happened and you just don't know, especially if he plays at the, the European Championships this summer and, he, and, and, and England perform well. He might think to himself, I'm playing at a high level here. I want that Champions League football. I want that exposure of challenging for trophies. You just never know. Um, so that'll be an interesting one to see how that develops. You're right with some of the, the links that United have had, such as Ericsson. That's one that just doesn't make any sense. I mean, we've talked mm-hmm. about Van de Beek. I mean, what would Ericsson add to this United right. side? He's he struggled for form over at Inter. Towards the end at Tottenham, he looked uninterested. And for me, he's not the sort of player I'd be delighted with if he came into United. It would remind me of a Sanchez-type signing where, on paper, and for guys and girls that play FIFA, it would be great. Oh, we've got Ericsson. We'll put him in our team. Not, 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 not in for reality for United. I think that's the sort of signing that can upset the apple cart. And when you consider that he's on massive wages out there, and if he was to come into United and perform to even a reasonable standard, you'd be expected to pay a massive fee for him as well. And I don't quite think that's the priority for United this summer. You mentioned Sancho. I think a, 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 an out-and-out right-sided player would be would be ideal. I know Greenwood does well there. Diallo, as you've said, mm-hmm. has got a big future and deserves an opportunity, and I'm sure he'll get that. Um, so, it'll be, but, but I still think United might be interested in getting a more established name in that position to let Diallo... Um, develop underneath them. In terms of other positions that I think United could strengthen, we've agreed, both of us, that United need another right back to add mm-hmm. much needed competition for Juan Bissaka. Another holder, if the right one was available, I suppose could be could be an option. But then again, for the sort of holder you're wanting, a Kante type, a Wilfred and Didi type, you'd be paying an awful lot of money. And again, 
your your money might be best served elsewhere in this summer transfer market. So it's going to be fascinating to see where they go. Well, another player they've been heavily linked with is young lad at Norwich called Max Ahrens, right? Um, now here's the thing: Norwich are sitting top of the championship. They're most likely going to get promoted. They're financially in good shape, so they don't need to sell. Now here's the thing about Wan Bissaka: if you had to criticise Wan Bissaka, it would be that he's poor in the final third. You know, standing up as a one-on-one defender, for me, one of the best in the country. You know, you run at Juan Bissaka, you know, he's one of the best. He's still got some concerns, positional issues, Tanetti was poor, no question. Um, he gets dragged way too narrow sometimes. Uh, but one-on-one's very, very good, um, but not great in the final third. When I, I don't watch him as championship football, I just don't have time. When I look at someone like Max Ahrens, right, I'm looking at him from an attacking perspective and I'm going... It's now January, he's got zero assists and one goal. That doesn't sound like an attacking right back to me. That doesn't, he's played 2,250 minutes this season, so he's got one of the most, he's one of the most ever-present players, if not the most ever-present player. In fact, I think he is the most ever-present player this season in Southampton, or Norwich's team. One goal, or, yeah, one goal and no assists. Is that really an attacking right back? It's a, it's a fair question, and and you've got to you've also got to to mention the fact that as you say, it's in the championship, and he's the sort of player that was highly rated in the Premier League, and the fact he's went to the championship and those numbers haven't improved would make you question that, um, because you're you're spot on. United, I think, need that attacking right back. Trippier, as we talked about earlier, would be that profile for me because his game. The strengths of his game are what Juan Bissaka, for me, has to work on. The the getting to the byline and and, and crossing well, um, and and being a real pain and thorn in the side for the opposition, especially in in, in in the final third and even in the middle third because he's a good passer of the ball as well. So that's the sort of profile you, you have to bring in if you're signing another right back because if you've got players that are too much of the same, even if you change them, it becomes like for like and. Is there any real competition there in the like for like? I don't think so. I think the key in any squad, any title winning and, and trophy challenging squad, is to have different options. And I think that's crucial for any of the players that United recruit. I don't think you can have too many of the same. I do think you need different options, a different spark, especially in um, really, really specialist positions like fullback. Yep, I could not agree with you more, mate. Um, but. All in all, we're really, really happy with how things are. You have to be delighted with United sitting top of the league. So much to be positive about. And, um, you know, I've done, been doing this podcast for a long, long time. Um, <clears throat> I've had loads of different people on. And it seemed like for the longest time we were nothing but negative. So it's nice to be doing these and be positive for a change. And um, I have lots of different things to be positive about. Manchester United sitting top of the league uh, in January. Almost February is a magnificent thing, and um, I think uh, the critics of Solskjaer really should hold their hands up and say, you know what, we got it wrong. I've got it wrong about Paul Pogba when I said I didn't want him a team, didn't want me another team again. I I got it wrong about not Fred. I wrote him off a year ago, um, Luke Shaw. So it's okay to say you're wrong, and for. A manager that's sitting top of the league, you know, and and we read off the stats earlier. Um, longest unbeaten run in Europe's top five leagues. That really is magnificent. And winning games, like you said, Calm, that they would have lost last season, 
Um, and uh, grinding out wins when you're not playing at your best. You know, we've got Liverpool up this weekend in the FA Cup. Quick prediction from Matt. Tough, but I think um, United will win Will win narrowly at the weekend. I'm going to back them to win 2-1. Um, I hope you're right. Uh, I think it would be a magnificent morale-boosting victory for United um, to beat Liverpool this weekend. Um it is this weekend, right? It's on Sunday, right? Sunday. Uh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, I would be fantastic to see them get that result on Sunday, and uh, it would be, it would be, incredibly important psychologically for United to beat someone like Liverpool in the FA Cup um, and continue believing they're good enough. Uh, I think we'll see some changes at the weekend. I think we'll see Bayer play again. I think we'll see Pabi Tellez come in for sure. Um, be interesting to see what he does in midfield. Uh, might see McTominay come back in there. Um, but uh, I think the front three will probably, no, well, maybe maybe Rashford starts. Um, but uh, I think it'll be Rashford, uh, Martial, and Cavani. Uh, but we shall see. Mate, listen. Before we go, I want to talk about your incredible podcast because if you're not listening to this guy's podcast, you're missing out big time. Uh, you started it a year ago. I cannot believe how far you've come. The guests you have on or what you're doing. You need to check it out. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about it before we before we go. So the, the podcast is called Football CFB. You can follow it on uh, Twitter at Football CFB. It's on all the major podcast platforms. And, and what I want mm. to say about it, Phil, is I was really struggling before I started TFB. I was going through a really mm-hmm. tough time with my mental health. I reached out to you because I've always been a fan of this show. I still am a fan of this show. And the fact that I've been lucky enough to appear on it means the world to me. It genuinely does. And the, the podcast has grown. Um, CFB on my side. BTP continues to go from strength to strength as well. And nothing makes me happier than, than, than that. And at the moment, um, we've got a... a uh, shirt sale on we've created a bespoke football shirt mm-hmm. which is uh, on sale for £23 all the profits go to Man on Inverclyde which is a local mental health charity to where I live here in the west coast of Scotland and the, the Covid figures where I live have been quite poor there's a lot of people struggling at the moment and if it wasn't for your support Phil when I was really struggling and the support of people at Man on Inverclyde you just don't know what could have happened so just like you do with BTP and you've always done with your personal platforms if you're struggling out there please please look after yourself Phil is here for you, I am here for you and if you can possibly support the fundraiser, great. And if you can, don't worry about it. Even if you can like it or share it, it would mean the world to me. But I just want to say, you, you mentioned you're happy with United's result, Phil. I am too. I'm just happy to be, to be back recording with you, if I'm, if I'm perfectly honest. So oh, thank you so much for everything. Listen, um, it's the least I can do. And I'm honoured to have you on. And for anyone else out there, just to echo your sentiments, mate. I, I've been open about my own battles and struggles I'm no better than anyone else um, I, I have moments where or not moments days sometimes where I feel like all I want to do is throw myself off a, a, a roof somewhere and just end it and then there's other days where I feel on top of the world and I feel like uh, there's nothing can can stop me and there's just ebb and flow and there's ups and downs and good people have got me through difficult situations and um you know, I, I'm always battling the temptation to, to relapse. I'm always battling stuff, especially when it's hard. So, you know, 
I'm no better than anyone else. If you're out there, you're struggling. I know this lockdown, this COVID thing is just so mentally difficult. I know there's people out there that are financially struggling, they're, they're, desperate. they're, they're, they're in dire straits. I, my heart goes out to all of you. And if there's anything I can do to alleviate that suffering, please reach out to me. Um, and and I'll, I'll try to help as much as I can. And it's great to see people like yourself, Callum, also putting money where your mouth is and doing real work to try to help people out there because there's a lot of people who need it and you know I'm, I'm one of them just so you people who listen to this trust me if you're going through difficult times I'm going through it with you um, and, and I'm ashamed of some of the things that I've done to cope over the years um, I'm just a human being I'm trying to do the best I can so please you know love yourself and realise that this is extremely difficult and um, genuinely I don't know if we're all in it together but a lot of us are in it together and um you know, Calum, you yourself have been amazing to me too, so thank you for that, mate. Well, as I say, I mean, we've all got to, to help each other, and one of the first things you ever said to me was, if we all help pull each other or pull, pull, pull each other up, then the world's a better place because we're all on an equal footing that we're happy with, and, and that couldn't be that couldn't be more true. And, and then you're right, if you're struggling out there, there, talk to Phil, talk to me, talk to someone in your family or your close friendship group. Don't go through it alone because, trust me, we struggle every day. I still do. Like you say, Phil, I have days where I think, I just cannot be bored with anything or anyone and, and I want to just block the world out sometimes but as tough as it can get there's always there's always positivity out there in life sometimes you have to look even harder than you think to find it but it'll always be there and trust me even if you think there's nothing there have a chat with us because we'll find something for you because you're a great human being and thank you for listening to us uh, Just before we go folks just one more mention on that as most of you know I've had Pat McGibbon on the show uh, actually had a player um, who does enormous work for mental health. Uh, if you get a chance, it's it's uh, he has a tremendous charity called the Train to Be Smart Sport and Charity Fundraiser. Um, and it's, of course, a memory of his brother, Philip, who sadly took his own life through suicide. They have a YouTube channel. Um, it's just getting started of 700, 750 subscribed viewers. It'd be amazing to reach 1,000 plus. There's a Q&A on there with Roy Keane. Uh, it'll be shown for the first time on 4th of February. Uh, I'll post a link to the clip of that event where you can watch it. Uh, if you're on YouTube, folks, please subscribe to Train to Be Smart Juniors. Um, it would be very, very much appreciated by Pat. And uh, there's some fantastic content on there. And uh, thanks to all of you who subscribe and download my own podcast. And thanks for all your patience. Uh, and now we're back. We'll be back every week. Callum, thank you so much, mate. I really appreciate it. I wish you all the best. That fantastic podcast. And uh, hopefully have you back again next week. I'd absolutely love to, Phil. I look forward to it already. Cheers, mate. See ya. Bye, folks.